Hey everyone, and welcome to the Intercrime Ministries podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us today as we continue our Grace and Faith series. Today we're going to hear the third teaching in this series, in which we learn that walking in faith is as simple as just walking and calling on the promises of God. We hope that today's message encourages you and inspires you to call forth God's promises in your own life so that they might manifest on the earth. Here's Brodon, live at the table. So those of you who've been following along every week, we've been on faith, grace and faith, trying to define them. We've used this scripture every week because most of us have heard this before. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. So we are saved by a gift from God. Gift, caris. Caris is something really beautiful. So when we talked about why we are doing this series, it was a series of saying, have you ever been in a situation where something went wrong and you were at the bottom of your barrel and you heard that small voice inside that was accusing you saying, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And that just is kind of like when you've been run over in the road, you know, and you're laying there and someone comes up and goes, you know that was all your fault and then kicks you in the side and walks off. That's kind of how that feels, doesn't it? Like, you don't have enough faith. And um, so I think part of the condemning side of it, as you heard me say in the last few weeks, is that we put so much emphasis on our faith and not on what we have faith in. So you have to understand the gift of grace and God's gift is not something you earn. So if it's anything more than trust and belief, then it actually ends up being more than a gift. Somehow you earned it, and that destroys the gift. Right? Ever had anyone give you something? And then you go, thanks, I deserve that. No? You never done that to anyone? Well, so, no confessions tonight. Uh, so... I deserved it, right? So that's not actually a gift when you do that. Or, you know, you owed me, right? You owe me. This, it, it takes away from the gift. So we want it to be a pure gift and a holy and perfect gift because that's exactly what it is. And so we have to keep it that way in our heart. And the way we do that is understanding what the role of our faith is, okay? Grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor. Favor, see that word favor? Underline tonight. Favor of the Lord. Faith is assurance, trust, belief, leaning on God, resting in Him. So I used that term and I said something about the chair. I said, you know, this is a pretty sturdy chair. If you pick it up, you can feel the bearings in it are really strong. It's made out of solid metal. The top is thick, solid wood. So when my, and I will not give you the exact amount of my body's weight, but um, I could do it in kilograms for those of you who are interested. But when I sit down, I'm not worried or concerned 
with the amount that I weigh and this chair. I have faith in the chair. My faith is assured not by how much I'm willing to trust the chair, no matter how rickety it may be or how strong it may be, but my faith is assured by the stability of the chair. Does that make sense? By the knowledge that I have acquired by picking it up and looking at it that says, this will hold 350 pounds. Okay, well, great. See? And then I'm looking at metal and I'm looking at the welds and I can see that it's well done. So when I'm looking at it, I'm leaning on it and I'm trusting in its fabrication. Right? All right, okay, you're getting a little too simple, Brodon. But the problem is, is that when we transfer this to our relationship with the Lord, we don't make the connection in our hearts. That the trust in here, the faith and assurance and trust in is not in you, in yourself or your ability or even your faithfulness. But your trust in is in the grace that was given to you. And we learned a few weeks ago that grace and truth came in Jesus Christ. And he was the fullness of grace. And so then he tells us in John 15, 14, 15, and 16, abide in me and I will abide in you. So we're entering into that abiding into God by resting in him. See, all my weight is on this. All my weight is on this chair. Not some of it. It's not a shared deal. This is not resting. See, I'm in control. I have my feet on the floor. I can lean on the chair, but look, if it goes, I step out and take the wheel. So when I sit down, if the chair goes, I'm going with it because all my weight and all of my assurance is in it. Are we, are we tracking? So faith is complete assurance, not in what I can be assured in. I'm not weighing my assurance to see if I have enough faith. I'm looking at and believing in and leaning on the power of the chair. Are we all still on the same page? All right, so now, Watch the scriptures, because we talked about it two weeks ago. The promise that he, Abraham, would be heir of the world did not come to Abraham through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So righteous, pure, perfect, and holy from heaven is given to us by that kind of trust. When we do this, we're declared righteous, the kind of righteousness that comes from God and God alone. You are declared right, in right standing with God by sitting down and resting in his promise. Wow. So what does faith look like? Well, I'm sitting in this chair, so this is what faith looks like. Faith in the finished work. 
It's very different because we're going to move to a new faith tonight. Because faith in the finished work means that Jesus did it and it's done. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there's nothing left to do as it relates to you being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In you is the finished work. You're like, bro, Don, you ain't been in my house when I've mashed my finger. Or when my kids get on my nerves. Or when my spouse gets on my nerves. I know the finished work is not in me. We're talking about, that's your flesh. But the spirit that, it, it, that lives inside of you is the key to you understanding your rest. It starts with rest. One cannot easily discern the difference between striving to please God and active faith until one has truly entered the faith of resting in God's finished work. Now watch this. Notice I said active faith. So there's a difference between the move of faith and the resting in faith. One has to come before the other, and that is this has to come before the other. <clears throat> For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. We, we talked about that last week. Just as God did from his, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Watch this. This is the hardest part of your faith, is to enter that rest. It's a ton of work because human nature is, nope, I got to do this. Something I got to do. I got to get this done. Or, or I failed to accomplish it and immediately the condemnation drives me into making it happen or trying to fix the distance between what God expected of me and where I am right now. So now I'm trying to make up the ground and I'm not in the chair anymore. That's the work of the enemy. That's why he's called the accuser, the deceiver, because he'll come to you and say in your ear, you're not enough or you failed or you came up short or you're lousy and you're no good and look at the way you're acting and blah, 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 blah. Get up out of the chair and start getting to work because you are no longer in God's favor. You see what I'm talking about? So, the way that we enter into the rest is to cease from believing that I have to get it done. Right? You've all heard this enough. Some of you new ones, this is fresh for you. The rest of everyone is saying, move on, Brodon. Okay, so now we're going to talk about faith and promise. Very different than faith in rest. Although, you're still resting. It's a finished work of God, but now it's personal. We all received the finished work of God when we became believers, but each of us has been brought into an inheritance. And as a son or a daughter, there are promises both to you individually and to us corporately. So there is a place in your faith as it grows where the promises are being brought to you and you have to walk them out. Now, I stay in the place of rest because I cannot get up from that spot. I'm still here because 
I'm trusting in, leaning on, and believing in the still finished work of God continuing to move through me. And I use Abraham because he was declared by God righteous because he had faith not in his own faithfulness, but in God's fulfillment of the promise that he'd put over Abraham. So I'm going to tell you something about Abraham. Abraham, if you read your Bible, the first promise, he told him if he would leave his people and go to this land, that he would not know where he was going, but God would bless him, give him that new land, and he would give him an heir. And this was in light of the fact that he and his wife both had never had children, and he was, and she and him both were past the childbearing years. And God said, through your loins, I will produce a nation. And then he went and did what he asked. And each time he came to a crossroad, kind of a test in his journey, he continued to respond with faith. And if you'll watch in your Bible, the, the paragraph, it depends on the size of your, your print, like the paragraph, the first promise is like that. And then he comes to this point years later, and he and God encounter, and God, because he's been faithful to walk in what God said, it's a longer one. And then finally, when he goes to sacrifice his son, he says, because you have not withheld your own son, the promise, here's what I'm going to do for you. And this entire long thing where he says, I will make you a father of many nations. So you see, what happens is Abraham didn't sit in his tent and wait for all that to happen. He actually followed the Lord's leading in every step. Now, why is it hard to see that we're supposed to be moving with God, but sitting with God? How does that look? Well, to leave your own land and to go into a land that you did not know meant that you were going into the unknown. You were moving from living probably in dwellings that you had lived in for generations to now living in tents. And then you get to the land and you haven't been there very long and they go through drought and people in your family are dying. All your animals are dying. You see now, I'm not sure how I can actually enter in to a promise and rest in it as people are dying all around me. It's extremely hard to believe I made the right decision. Then it gets worse. He decides to go down to Egypt because they're all starving to death. And he gets to Egypt and his wife is really beautiful. At the gate entering into the property of Egypt, they see that he is actually with a beautiful woman and they acquire her from him. For the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he lies and says it's his sister, which it's actually a half-truth. She is half his sister. So what's crazy is, <laughs> okay, it was all right back then, by the way. Um, this was thousands of years ago. Uh, population was a lot smaller, so, yeah. So... <laughs> It all started with Noah and three sons. So, um, yeah. So when we always talk about all that, you have to recognize it's, yeah, different world. So he's lying to the Egyptian people because he has fear. So now 
try to imagine just not too long ago, God spoke to you and told you, hey, I'm going to take you into a new land. I'm going to give you that land, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. Now, he's not even in the land. He's now in a place called Egypt, which he don't know. And somebody has his wife, and he don't know what to do. You see, in that moment, this place right here is extremely difficult to sit in. It requires a lot of faith, trust, that if I am following God, this, as crazy as it looks right now, is going to turn out okay. Well, it's easy for us to sit here and read the story because we know the end results of the story. But he didn't know the end results. It didn't feel as though he was about to get, oh, I'm going to get my wife back. No, the Pharaoh has my wife, and how am I going to get her back? Because he thinks she's my sister. So what does God do? In the night, he puts boils all over the Pharaoh and all over his people in his palace. Why? Because God was going to show Pharaoh, dude, you got the wrong woman in your house. He finds out it's the wrong woman, and then he finds out that Abraham lied to him. Now, mostly, people would have probably been killed by the Pharaoh for pulling that kind of stunt. And said the Pharaoh said, take your wife, take all of your people, get out of here, and by the way, take all the riches you want, all the livestock you want. So he left there rich with all the livestock he needed. The ones that had all died, they were definitely replaced. But this went on for 27 years where he was wandering and going from place to place in a land that he did not own but that God would promise him. So faith for us, the Bible says, Romans chapter 4 and 5, that Abraham is the father of our faith meaning he's the origin of how our faith works. So when we look at Abraham's life, we learn the journey that Jesus is inviting us on. And Jesus perfected that faith in the way that he lived. So how do we know that? So Jesus is in a boat, a prime example, and they are crossing the Galilee, which is a sea, and it's pretty good size, and it's in a storm. And the boats back then, by the way, they were not very stable. And uh, I've seen one that they dug up from the first century out of the mud. And I've seen it there, and they have it there. And you're looking at it, and you're like, wow. That thing would be easily tipped over by just subtle waves. So somehow Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping while a storm is going on. And all of the other guys are freaking out. How do you sleep in the middle of a storm? Because Jesus understood completely and perfectly this. In the midst of a storm, he was able to be seated in his Father's promises. Doesn't matter what happens on that storm. No matter what you see, the waves or whatever. And he's sleeping. So a little side note on that. It's hard like, wait, how did Jesus do that? Well, either, I don't really know the timeline, either before or after, he was out walking on the water. So to have that kind of command over the water, 
I think he could sleep in a storm. The point is, is that Jesus was able to trust his father because he said, I don't do anything except for what the father tells me to do. I don't say anything except for what the Father tells me to say. You see, what he was doing was he was demonstrating perfect and complete trust, a rest. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. You see, we, and for those of you who are left-brainers, let's just talk this through one time. So we live in what is called a three-dimensional world by science. And it is our five senses that really are able to measure, determine, assess, and experience the three-dimensional world around us. But God invites us into a world that we cannot smell, taste, hear, see, or touch. He invites us into a realm that does not include our feelings or our mind. He invites us into a realm that exists and he says that realm has its own laws and rules and they're based on me. Now, our five senses have trained us our whole life and our emotions have led us. And most of the time, our logic and reason is how we make our life decisions. That is called carnal. Carnal isn't always sin. Carnal is just living by the three-dimensional world senses and being that I am so that I can determine the outcome of my future. I'm in control of my five senses and I determine how I use them. I'm in control of my emotions and I determine how I use them. Unfortunately, none of those will teach me how to cross over into the other realm. They're not gonna teach you how to be spiritual. In fact, they're the opposite. Their determining factors are all based on everything you feel and, and, and your whole life's experiences and generations who've taught you otherwise. So the issue of faith is being able to believe the promises and the truths of the other kingdom and you have to start to believe in them by putting your life and applying it to them. You heard me say last week that when Abraham went up the mountain with his child, who was the promise he had been waiting on as an inheritance to make a great nation, and he tells him to take his son up on top of the mountain and kill him. Now, the Bible tells us that he was convinced in, in Hebrew uh, chapter 11, he says it was that he was convinced that even if he killed him, God was, would resurrect him and restore him. So here is Abraham climbing up this mountain with his son, and his son says, where is the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide. Now those are words, but his actions proved that his words and his actions were the same. He stopped living in the three-dimensional world that you and I live in. He stopped living in reason and sense, and he started living by the voice of God and doing what the voice of God told him, no matter the circumstances around him. And you say, well, that's amazing. 
Well, if you go back through his 27 years, you can see multiple mistakes of how he tried to reason in his mind. He never stopped believing that God was going to do it, but throughout that 27 years, he used his senses, he used his mind, he used his wife, and they all tried to figure out how to do it, and they made multiple mistakes. But in those mistakes, they learned what not to trust. And when his son was a year old, he told him, go and circumcise yourself and your sons and throw the foreskin on the ground. And he says, because now you are truly a man of faith. This is Brodon's paraphrase, by the way. But what he was saying is that that skin is the flesh, the carnal way of doing things, and you have learned how to overcome and trust me and me alone. And you have lived out the promises of the spirit realm to the point where they're brought into the physical and they are manifested in that child in front of you. Now cut away the flesh because inside your heart, Romans tells us, you've cut away all the carnal flesh. Now your heart is mine. Fully mine. So this is mine and your journey of faith. Faith is a powerful thing, but it requires me trusting in and believing in and leaning on that thing that God promised me, which is to make you just like Jesus. See, Jesus was listening to this other realm and bringing that by obeying what he was hearing, he would do what God told him to do and the spiritual realm would come through him and into the lives of everyone around him. So when you surrender to the voice of God, this realm around you will actually start to manifest the kingdom of God because you are listening to the other side and not to yourself, and you're doing what God says through his spirit, and then you produce the same thing that Jesus did. He said, greater work shall you do than these Wow, that's a promise from Jesus. There's one of those promises. Oh, I'm going to do more than Jesus did. How do we do that? See, the thing is, promise is a powerful thing. But ask yourself right now, just yourself, do I know the promises of God? I'm not talking about what's in your head. Just a few popping up here and there. I mean, do you know that what you've been promised Because there's a distinct difference in believing that I'm saved and going to heaven and sitting down on that one and trusting the Lord, which is so essential, important, and first and foremost, and should never be ignored. And then the next level of faith, so that what was promised to me by the Father here on earth would manifest in my life now takes tremendous courage and that's because faith comes by what his divine power was granted to us to us all this is the thing i was just telling you look here this is the scripture his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness all things mean all and that's all that all means So what that means is you're getting everything you need at your salvation to become godly 
and holy and perfect. That's the Spirit of God living in you who's come to dwell in you to establish the work of Christ and to fulfill it in your carnal flesh. And just like Abraham, the Spirit is producing in you the life of Christ so that one day soon you can cut it all away and throw it to the ground and say, I trust nothing but the voice of God. And that's the journey you're on. And until that journey is complete in you, you will still have ups and downs. But that doesn't mean your faith has waved or wavered, excuse me, so what it means is, is that you're still growing in trusting God over yourself. You're learning, not necessarily in trusting yourself, but more so in understanding what the promises are. Okay, well, what does that mean? How long will that take and what will that be up to? And he says right here that through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Notice that, that through the promise you would take on the partaking of the divine nature. So what's happening here is he's saying the key is the great promises. And what did we learn about great promises? What do we have to do with them for them to be ours? have faith in them to believe in them but if you don't know what they are how can you have faith in them trusting in the promises but you need to have the knowledge to know what those promises are this is where it comes down to us your people tell you all the time you need to read word what's wrong with you is you need to read word you know you don't read word enough and you're like, uh, and this is what can happen when you hear that. Right here, you know, you're centered in this faith. Now watch this. You're centered in your faith, and I'm so in love with Jesus, and someone comes along and says, well, you know, the reason you don't have victory in this area is you're just not in the Word. You need to be in the Word. And what do you do? You grab your Word and watch what you do. You start reading it from here. Or, hey, you know, you're not talking to God enough. You're not praying enough. You should be praying more. You, you know what? You need to pray. That's the problem with you. You don't have enough intimacy with God. Okay. What do I do? You see that? That's the trap of religion. So what I'm going to tell you tonight is, is that what I'm about to show you in Scripture is not that. Consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the preached word of Christ. So if I'm sitting in him and I'm fully assured in this chair, it's not going to fall. He's got me. He loves me. It's so wonderful being here. God, there's got to be more. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Who are we going to love? And he says, get out your promises. And read them and study them because the more you know them, the more you will grow in faith. And the more you grow in faith, the faster you will become like me because faith is the key. 
and faith will grow in you as you know your promises. What are your promises? Do you know them? Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So as soon as you get up, you can't please him. As soon as you get up, you stop pleasing because now it's your works and your effort. For the one who approaches God must believe that he exists, and watch this, and that he rewards those who seek him. So there again, there's a promise. What's the promise? Do you see a promise up there? What's the promise, somebody? He rewards those who seek him. Wow. That's one. Y'all want to write that in your notes? Promise number one, he rewards those who seek him. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's one. How many are there that you don't even know that are in there that are guaranteed to you? And the more you read them, see, the thing is, this is not about you memorizing either. See, notice how I got up when I said memorizing? Because the truth is, the Spirit of God that lives in you will bring to remembrance all that Jesus said and did. So God didn't just leave you to figure this all out. As soon as you read the word, the Spirit of God in you confirms that word, stirs that word, stirs your faith, and it begins to permeate into your soul and into your body. So the key is just knowing. Which means that you should read your word. But different. Remember? You're not doing it to be. It's because you already are that you do it. Remember this. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Now watch this. That's a famous scripture in the Old Testament. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am Be still and know. That's what we're talking about tonight, right? Be still. Be. That's your journey. You've already been declared righteous, holy, and separated by God as a favored son. Now be it. Be it. Ah, there we go. It's pretty, pretty picture. Okay. What time is it? Uh-oh. Oh, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Sorry. I get so excited when we talk about the, war, the Lord and, and the Word and faith, and I just, oh. I had so much more. But, you know, we'll wait. Um, I want to close it with this. Sometimes it sounds so simple, 
and we think we've got it, but I'm gonna tell you, it's, this is a very difficult thing to do and rest in it because we think it's up to us. So when it says, work out your faith with fear and trembling, what it means when it says, work out your faith, it doesn't mean get up and strive. To get into that chair and stay is working out your faith. Facing all your fears, facing all your hurts, all your wounds. You know, and we all get hurt, we all get wounded, right? And things happen that we didn't expect. I mean, my family's going through something right now. Some of you know. And it is very hard to stay in the place of rest. It's extremely hard because the cost gets higher and higher to trust. Well, maybe I could take hold of this and fix it. And I find myself trying to do that. And the Lord says, remember, the ram will be there. The lamb will be at the top of the mountain waiting for you. But you have to trust and believe that I'm going to bring it from the other realm. It's not here on this mountain yet. Will you go to the top? Will you do exactly what I tell you to do? Will you not logic and reason in this, but just do what I say? And all of us have been let down our whole life by fathers and mothers, leaders, authorities. So it's so hard when the final authority of God tells me to do something that I don't think in my orphaned heart that I've got to do something to make it happen or maybe it needs to be edited so it comes out the way I want it to. This is faith that I do obedience, not sacrifice. And obedience is just listening and doing exactly what he says. Amen? So I feel like I need to pray over you for healing from all the religion that you have been in before now. So let's close our eyes and pray together. And let's confess our sin of religion that has destroyed the work of the cross in our lives for so many years. So let's just say it. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin of unbelief. Letting the religious speak into me and put condemnation on me. Producing in me works that lead to death. Teach me now how to live in faith. Holy Spirit, I am yours. Show me the way. I want to enter into the rest of God. I'm ready. I give you all of me. No more religion. Trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the word over you. Be healed. Because this is about your soul. Some of you have been in church a long time and you need to be healed from this. And you need to let go and start to run with your faith again. 
because of what you got hurt in. This is a word of the Lord for some people in this room right now. What you got hurt in is not what I'm teaching you right now. This does not hurt you. This brings life. So whatever you had happen to you in church before, it's time for you to close that door and forgive those people. They are people of God. They're just like you and me. They're just ignorant. And until Jesus shows us the truth, we're stuck in that ignorance. Because only the Spirit can teach you the things of the Spirit. And if the Spirit is not teaching it from the pulpit, then we're not getting the revelation. So now that you have the revelation tonight, it's time to love the people who hurt you and forgive them so that the revelation you're getting will get more and more and more so that you can release people and move forward. If you're holding on to something in the past, your arm is still stuck in the door of your past and the door that God is trying to open in front of you, you can't go through because your arm is still stuck holding on to what was back there. You have to let it go so that that door can close. This revelation comes with incredible release, but it also comes with a responsibility to say, I forgive. I forgive those who have hurt me, who have wounded me. Amen? So, Father, we forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been enjoying the Intercrime Ministries podcast, we'd like to invite you to partner with us today. Intercrime Ministries is a nonprofit fully supported by listeners and our community, like yourself. To find out more about who we are and to give, you can go to our website at www.intercry.org. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.